0: Welcome to Fleet Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the latest in our teaching series. Yes, I won't say any more about the football today because the really big important match is tomorrow where uh, Scotland are playing Czechoslovakia, or Czech Republic rather. First time in 23 years since we've been in a tournament. So needless to say, really excited about that. However, not here to talk about that this morning. It's a joy to be here. Um, It's been probably more than 18 months, maybe closer to two years since the last time we were together. Um, and for those who don't know uh, who I am and, and who I represent, James from Compassion. And a lot has changed in this world in the last 15 months, but one thing that hasn't changed is that Compassion is still a Christ-centered, church-based, child-focused Organization that is looking to see children released from poverty in Jesus' name. I know that many of you here and who are watching online are already uh, supporters and praying for and giving to uh, compassion and the children that you're investing in. So I've been asked to come here this morning, and I know that you're in the middle of a series, God in My Living. And I've been given the title this morning of God in my giving. Now, I can almost hear some people slumping in their seat another sermon about giving. Oh, no. Well, I hope this morning is going to be something that inspires, that challenges, that provokes. But I hope it's not something that makes you feel guilty. Because you see, God doesn't do guilt. God is here to take away guilt. When Jesus died on the cross, it was about releasing us from guilt and into freedom in Christ. It's not about guilt. And this morning, yes, we're going to talk about things that might feel a little bit, that's a bit close to the bone. But it's to inspire us, to challenge us, to provoke us to have more of Christ and not less So God in my giving, first of all I want to say thank you as a fellowship, as a church that you are a giving and generous church. At least in the experience of compassion as an organisation, you are a generous and giving body of believers. There are 38 children's lives currently being invested in, in many countries around the world that you are directly responsible for. Also, just in February 2020, just before that new date, we've got, we've got um, AD and BC, we've now got pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. Well, pre-pandemic, February 2020, as a fellowship, you gifted to Compassion 8,000 pounds. And there was a particular project that it went to. There is a, a, a refugee camp in the north of Uganda. It's the biggest in the world. There are over one million people there pouring in from South Sudan. And you generously donated £8,000 towards, uh, and many others towards that particular refugee camp and the work of Compassion there. And it's provided education. It's provided uh, skills, it's provided clean water, it's provided sanitation. The, The list is endless. So not only those 38 children that are known and loved and cared for because you write to them, I'm sure, but also the other many hundreds or even thousands in that refugee camp that have been impacted by that gift. So thank you for that. God in my giving. God in your giving. But what a year it has been, uh, or 15 months to be more accurate. Who could have predicted 15 months ago that our country, our communities would be gripped by a pandemic, gripped by anxiety and fear? Who could have predicted that our livelihoods may have been threatened Or that our economy may have uh, had to take such drastic action. Who would have predicted that for many of us, we haven't seen our loved ones for a long, long time. Maybe not even hugged them. Possibly even lost them. Who would have predicted that we'd be sitting in a church service looking like bandits Who'd have thought that 15 months ago? Hidden behind masks, afraid to touch, afraid to connect. Who could have predicted that? What a 15 months it's been. Every single one of us, not just here, but across the country, across the world, have been impacted by this pandemic. It is truly global. global. And it's impacted you. It's... Brought enforced change to your life. I can guarantee it, every single one of us are doing some things differently, whether it 's how we go shopping or, or, or how we interact with our loved ones or how we go to work, or maybe we don 't go anymore, maybe we work from home, maybe we study from home, but our, everything has changed, and it 's impacted on our way of life. now for many in that it's also caused us to reflect. There's lots of conversations going on about at the moment and what will the workplace look like when the pandemic is over? Will offices open up again or not? What will church look like when the pandemic is truly over? A lot of those questions we don't know the answer to. But what will my world look like when this pandemic is over. Because for many of us, our world has got really, really small. It's our, it's our home. It's our community. It's five miles around our community and probably no further. It's starting to open up now. But things have changed. This has caused us to reflect, or at least it should. I may have told you this story before. But Tony Campolo, a uh, well-known Christian speaker... He tells a story of 50 95-year-olds who were asked a question. If you could do life again, what would you do differently? What a question that is. I don't think you need to be 95 to reflect on that one. But these 95-year-olds were asked that question. If you could do life differently, what would you do? So they've got the hindsight, they've got the 2020 20 vision, the rearview mirror. They're able to look back over many decades, and they're, ref- and they're saying, "What would they do more?" There were three dominant answers. I would reflect more, I would risk more, and I would invest more. There was a general theme, and those were the three things that these 50, 95-year-olds suggested that they would do. If they could live life differently again wasn't get a bigger house, it wasn't get a bigger car, it wasn't going on three foreign holidays, it wasn't any of that stuff, it was reflect, risk and invest. I've got a 95-year-old mum, bless her, still going, 95 years of age, independent, still living on her own, and um, she is an inspiration and this whole pandemic, you know, she's uh, she's she's always been very physically active, and this whole pandemic has been a bit of a nightmare to her. You know, she's she's been sometimes she's been restricted in the house, and she absolutely hates it. She's like a five-year-old, not a ninety-five-year-old. She can't wait to get out and play. You know, she's just got to get out there. But here she is; she's ninety-five years of age, and she is a very unassuming, four feet ten. Glasgow woman, poorly educated, sometimes having to work three jobs just to make ends meet. And in her own way, she has come up with the same things. She may not articulate it in the same way, but she's reflected. She's risked and she's invested. If I look back on her life and the impact she's had, not only in her family, but beyond her family, she's actually done this, exactly this, when it comes to the pandemic, she cannot wait to get out and touch community again. She's, she's reached a point, and we're all going to get there, by the way. She's reached a point at 95, she can't spend what she gets. She just can't spend it. She's not going to do foreign holidays. She's not going to buy a jag. She, the days of, she's never owned a house. She's never owned a car. She can't spend the money she's got. So every now and again, I look in my bank account and there'll be a bit of money there. And I think, where's that come from? And it's my mum, bless her, send the money to me. So, okay, well, me. I can bless somebody else with it. But she's got this little money bag. And when she goes out, she's got one of those wee three wheelers, you know, she's got one. And she's... So you see her walking up the street, her and her sister's 92. And uh, so they're off out together. They've both got one of these wee three wheelers. And they're, you know, you can't get past them in the, in the pavement. You know? So they're doing their thing, chatting away. And then all of a sudden, they maybe see somebody in the corner of the on the street. And my mum was just sort of dipping into this little bag. And she'll just, there you go. And then she'll walk off again. Or she'll sit in a, a tea shop or a cafe and she'll see someone sitting on their own. She'll just sidle up to them. She'll buy them a cup of tea and a cake. She'll start to chat to them. And all the time, all through her life, she has been investing in other people. You know, as we move into this next phase of the pandemic, where there will be less restrictions, where there will be more freedoms, where we will see life moving back to normal. I've got a question for each and every one of us. Do you actually want your life to go back to normal? Do you want your life to be the same as it was 15 months ago? Think about that. Reflect on that. Do you want to have the same ambitions? The same stresses, the same strivings? If we were to go back 15 months, would my life be really, truly God in my living? Or was God in certain parts of my living? He was in this box, or he was in this room. Or he was in this relationship, but he wasn't there, and he wasn't there, and he wasn't there. He certainly wasn't in my giving, because actually that's mine. I've earned that. So do we want our life to go back to normal, or do we want it to be so much more than normal? See, in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, Paul is, is talking to the Ephesians here and he is, he's got these verses which, which are supposed to really resonate with our hearts. And he says, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. God has a plan for each and every one of our lives. And it's not a small plan. It's not a plan that restricts him. The only restrictions that that are around are the ones that we place on God or the ones we place on ourselves. God has a plan for our life, but he talks about it being an abundant life. And he wants us to move in that life. We sang uh, earlier on about the heavens are roaring for the praise of his glory. Well, this verse in verse 12 says that we are also... For the praise of his glory? Does my life reflect God in my living? Does my life shout out to anybody and everybody that comes across me for the praise of his glory? Or is it all about me? Deep questions, but we're at a pivotal point. We're about to move out of something and move into something. What are we going to move into? Are we going to move into where we were before? Are we going to be like the children of Israel and for 40 years go round and round and round? Or are we going to be Caleb who says, I'm done with going round and round and round. Give me this mountain. I'm ready. I may be 85 years of age, but Lord, you you promised me this and I'm having it. I'm fed up going round and round in the old merry-go-round. I'm fed up with that. We may not be 9'5, but the pandemic has forced us to the op- this opportunity to reflect yeah, okay. to reflect, uh, to risk and to invest. Reflecting. You know, we live in a world that doesn't do that very well. I don't do it very well. I'm, um, you know, I've done so many of these Myers Briggs and DISC and you name it. You can do all sorts of these things nowadays. And I am an activist. I'm a doer. Reflecting is, you know, that's thinking. Reflecting? No, that is not me. But even me, in this last fifteen months, when the world has shrunk and I've had more time on my hands, I've been caused to think, to reflect. We live in a fast paced world, even in a pandemic when everything slowed down. What speeded up? Zoom, Teams meetings, technology, the phone, the whole kit that's all got to happen in your life in order just to connect with somebody. It's not just the 14 year olds that talk through the phone now, it's all of us. It's a fast paced world. Time is passing quickly. Pre-pandemic, there was no time to stop, pause, and reflect. We're chasing, particularly in the West. We chase after things. We chase after what we think is important. But we're so busy doing that we forget to be to the praise of his glory. And I'm one of the worst offenders. I love doing. But actually, God sometimes says, I just want you to be a little bit like David." I want you to be like where he is in Psalm 46 where he just takes time. Be still and know that I am God. We want to know God. There's a, there's a place of stillness and intimacy and relationship that we have in with Christ and in Christ that enables us to know him. And as, as Paul says in Ephesians, as we know him, we also get to know his will, his plan, his purpose for our lives. He wants us to reflect more in order that we, we get our priorities in line with his priorities. He also wants us to risk more. You know, David, as he was reflecting in Psalm 46 and verse 1 about being still, that wasn't just to remain still. That wasn't just to be like the video that we saw earlier. By the way, Powerhouse, you, ought to, you need to market that. You need, you need to get that out there. That was absolutely brilliant, that children's address. You probably get more out of that than you will from what I'm going to say this morning. Please take wherever you can get it. But even there, you know, they made the illustration that we've got in our cozy world now. We're a little bit afraid. We've got in our bubbles and we're becoming more and more risk-averse, understandably so in some, some, some senses. But even pre-pandemic, I think I'm going to start calling it PP, even PP, I don't have to say pre-pandemic all the time, um, even before then, the world was risk-averse. There were signs for everything. You've probably heard the one about uh, the, the person that bought a packet of peanuts and on, written on the packet in bold legend was, careful, this contains nuts. Well, okay, <laughs> fair enough, I get that. We can be so risk-averse. And COVID-19 has taken that to a whole new level. Look at us. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be doing this. Of course we should, we must. We should do these things to protect ourselves as much as we can and protect others. But you know, life is risky. It's a risky, messy business. And actually, God intended for life to be risky. He wanted it to have risk. Abraham and Sarah, pick up your bags. You're moving. Where where are you moving us to, Lord? Don't worry, I'll tell you when you get there. That's risk. We've already mentioned Caleb. Peter, who denies Christ just a few short weeks later, after being filled with the Holy Spirit, he's standing in front of the Sanhedrin and folks that can can at the very least put him in prison and possibly call for his death. And he says, you know what? I can't help but speak about the things that I have seen and heard and experienced in Christ. Life is risky. Now more than ever, the world wants us to be hermetically sealed and safe and without pain and comfortable. But the Christian life is not intended to be like that. It never was, and it never is, and it never will be. It isn't meant to have risk and danger and excitement and thrill. Is that your Christian experience? Because that's the experience God wants you to have. You know, when you go to the fairground, I've just come through Hartney Whitney to get here, and there's a little fairground there, and, uh, and you know, it comes and it goes. And we've all been to these fairgrounds and there's the teacups. The teacups. You've seen the teacups. And they go round at sort of walking pace and the kids are sitting there and it's all very nice and safe and lovely and colourful. And, but, you know, it's not a lot of thrill and a lot of adrenaline in it. And then just a little bit further along there's the rollercoaster. We saw oh, slowly. Have you ever been on one of those things? It slowly creeps up. It's creeping up. It's creeping up. It's getting to the edge it's just about there, and, whoosh, and then suddenly you're off, and your heart is in your mouth, and your adrenaline is pumping. Folks, we can have a teapot Christianity or we can have a roller coaster Christianity. We can have one or the other. There's some also, some in the middle. We all sort of live in that middle ground sometimes. But God wants us to experience the thrill of life in Christ. It's not meant to be comfortable. It's meant to have risk. It's meant to have risk in order that we have the faith to believe that God is going to do great things in us, for us, and through us. It's meant to be risky. And with that risk, which will make a difference in your life and in others, there's the investment to invest, to invest more. The 95-year-olds recognized the value of investing their life in others. That's where the true joy was in life. Already mentioned about my mom. She gets such a thrill about being able to share what she has. She's always done it. She tried to teach her children and her grandchildren and now her great-grandchildren to do exactly the same. And I have found in life that those who have got the least can be sometimes the most generous. Somehow they understand the principle of, I've not got much, but I've got a bit more than you. How would you like some of it? Giving it away, sharing it. God has not deposited his Holy Spirit in us to keep it hoarded in a cupboard for my benefit. He's invested his life, his power, his kingdom in order that we share it with others so that they might know and experience. Folks, do you have a generous spirit of giving? I'm not talking just about money here. That bit will come. But we are talking about everything that God has deposited in you. Do you want to use it for his kingdom? God has deposited gifts in you. He's deposited skills in you. He's deposited relationships in your life. He tells us in the scriptures, Paul talks about the deposit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why? To share it. To give it away. Do you want the moths to eat it? Or do you want to give it away for other folks to enjoy it? To experience God in their life. Nelson Mandela said, What counts in life is not the mere fact that we have lived, it is the difference we have made to the lives of others that will determine the significance of the life we lead. Let's say that again. What counts in life is not merely the fact that we have lived, it is the difference we have made to the lives of others that will determine the significance of the life we lead. Folks, we talk about legacies a lot today. What is your legacy and mine? Will folks notice if I'm not here anymore? Will they look back on my life and say, wow, I will. They say, I vaguely remember that bloke. What about you? In everything that God has deposited in your life, Are you able to to share it? Do you have that spirit of generosity that says, Lord, I'm going to give this away because actually I know that as I give away my time, what a precious commodity your time is. Are you prepared to share it? As I give my love for the family and friends and community, are you prepared to share it? Are you prepared to share words of encouragement and affirmation that says, that's great, well done, or you keep it all bottled up. Folks, God has given us so much. We are blessed beyond measure in his kingdom. And that's not to say that we don't have challenges in life, that we don't have difficulties in life. We have our struggles. We know that. But God has given us so much, and he wants us to share it. He wants us to make a difference already said as a church those 38 lives making a difference in those 38 lives there's a video that i want us to see now it's just three minutes long and then another couple of minutes where we'll wrap up but that video is going to share the lives of four other young people where somebody like you made a difference
1: Even we could go at least for three days without food. The friends that I played with in the neighborhood got captured and was being trained to become child soldiers. We would beg our parents just to buy one apple, but even the rotten ones we could not afford to buy. In a period of 18 months I lost my small brother Patrick, my mom, and I lost my stepdad because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. When my mother died, I was lost. I was looking for hope. for God to just show me that everything was going to be okay, not knowing what tomorrow will look like, not knowing whether I would have a home, whether we would live to see the next day. Aaron Mitchell decided to sponsor me but when he did my whole life changed a group of people from Compassion showed up at my church they said you're gonna go to school and then somebody's going to write to you I don't have to worry about whether my parents would have enough money to keep me going to school even if I get sick someone was there to take care of me I felt safe I felt wanted my sponsor is Edwin Bunny. Maria and Han Shrew. Aaron, me too. Five women from a Lutheran Church that were sponsoring me. I am now a physical therapist, and I'm working in a hospital. Clinical social worker. I was the first child in my family to go to high school, to go to college. I have a bachelor and a master in, en- in biomedical engineering. A second master in engineering management, and a uh, guy called me into ministry, so I had to go and get a third master. I have a ministry called Youth Arise Africa that works with boys who don't have father figures. We opened a small school. It's not providing the same opportunity that compassion provided to me, so that they too can break out of the cycle of poverty. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. You do for me. You did for me. You did, for me. You did it for me. Sponsor a child today to break the cycle of poverty in a child's life. Like my sponsor did for me.
0: Yeah. It's a very powerful video. Four, just four stories. There are now over two million children being sponsored by people just like you all around the world. And that's just four. Think about the thirty-eight. And then multiply that. What God is doing. He's doing wonderful things. Just as I finish, we have the privilege of investing in his kingdom. He wants us to invest in his kingdom. Here, in fleet, in one another, in your local community and further afield. Many of you already have a compassion child. And I thank you for each and every one. But maybe you don't, or maybe, like for many of us in the, in the pandemic, you've barely spent any money, and you think, well, actually, I can maybe support someone else. And for less than one pound a day, you could see a life totally transformed and changed. There's a slide that just to put up as I, as I come to an end. Life such as Lem Lem. Lem Lem is from, I love that name, is from Ethiopia. She's six years of age. She has no mum. She lives with her father. And we're looking to find a sponsor for Lemlem to see her life transformed and changed. I have a number of others with me. If whatever we have said this morning has resonated with you, whether it's about this or whether it's about something else, do it. Whatever God is saying to you right now about how you can invest in someone else's life, make a pact with him. Do it. If it's this I'll be at the back at the end of the service. I've got these sanitized, sealed uh, profiles. I've sanitized my hands. I've had a test. I've done the whole thing. If God is speaking to you, take one of these, pray about it, fill it in, send it back to the office. Also, you'll find with that slide, if it does come up, We'll get it post, posted onto your, post book, uh, your Facebook page. There's a QR code there. There's a web, web browser there. You can just put that into your phone, into your tablet, and you would also see there ways in which to connect. I want to thank you once again. My time is gone. Uh, I think I've finished on time, which is great. But I'd just like to pray now before I ask Nathan uh, to come back and, and lead us as we finish. Lord. Thank you that you've given us the privilege of building your kingdom in partnership with yourself and the Holy Spirit. Lord, what a privilege that is. But we also recognize it's a responsibility that we want to live up to. We want to be people who live for the praise of your glory. That when people see us and our lives, they will see Christ in us, the hope of glory. So Lord, for the fellowship here, as they look to see what God is going to do next in these coming months, I pray that you will bless them abundantly. Bless them for their generosity. Bless them for the way that they are reaching out to others. Lord, I just pray that they will know great things happening in and for and through them as a fellowship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.